It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. From the Fox News Radio studios in New York City, giving you opinions and facts with a positive approach. It's Brian Kilmeade. Hi, everyone. I'm Brian Kilmeade. Welcome to the latest moments of the Brian Kilmeade Show for the first time ever from the beautiful studios KTBB in beautiful Tyler, Texas, 97.5 and 600 a.m. on the road last night in a great event. And uh, I'll tell you about that, talking about the President Freedom Fighter. And one of the reasons I'm here today was forced to miss TV, but not radio. I'll be at the Texas Music City, Texas Music City, and uh, right after the show's done, around 12 o'clock local time, uh, 1 o'clock over in the East Coast in Longview, uh, Longview Mall right after from 3 to 5. So I'm going to be a little like the uh, like a rock star. You go from venue to venue, you play, and then you go. And then you, um, I guess, uh, I'm able to party tonight, right? I'm free tonight? It looks Free tonight and we sleep in tomorrow. Right. And then it's over to um, then it's over to Tulsa, Oklahoma, yep. and Oklahoma City. So it's uh, it's got to be great. And then I'm uh, on my way home on Sunday to reintroduce myself to my family. They do have some photos. Will Kane is coming up in a matter of moments. He filled in for me on Fox and Friends and Taya Kyle, the wife of Chris Kyle, uh, who was uh, killed here after serving brilliantly overseas. Uh, he has a, she has a great cause to talk about as we continue to remember those not only who who fight for us in camouflage, but also who wear uniforms, uh, cops and firefighters here. So let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. When Putin smells weakness, he seeks he sees that as opportunity. And that is what is taking place before our eyes today. That really is the issue. He is, he is trying to get away with as much as he possibly can. No kidding. Russia. Hey, Joe, what exactly did you promise Vladimir? As reports squirrel, he's telling the Ukraine to give up some of their land for peace. If true, Congress has to step in and Ukraine must push back. Number two. We got some encouraging news from Pfizer yesterday. Uh, Three doses of the Pfizer vaccine protects against the Omicron variant. Get your booster right away. Zero credibility. The man selected to beat the virus has shown to overreact when it comes to variants, underthink when it comes to mandates, and is now calling for more shots. Hey, Joe, let it go. We can handle our lives, our jobs, our families. Number one. Every civil libertarian should be applauding the prosecution successfully of a false accuser. False accusations can destroy our system of justice. We have to focus on the evidence and the evidence in this case has been overwhelming from the beginning and so costly jussie gets justice and let's just hope it means jail the disgraced actor and phony victim of race hate was laughed out of court and could be facing years in jail why all those who ran to his defense without knowing any facts should correct the record from van jones to the vp to the president of the united states he was convicted of five of six accounts saying he was attacked by uh pro maga guys you're in maga country now even though it's the heart of uh of um left-wing liberalism even though it was the middle of the night 
his story changed so often. He said they put a noose around his neck and uh, printed hate crimes on his body and, and beat him up. It turns out he put those guys up to it. They confessed to it. They were prosecution star witness. We all knew it was a lie after a first saying and running to him wondering, you know, why this would happen in Chicago in the middle of the night in the dead of winter. But we just were saying, wow, well, that seems pretty terrible. But can you just give us some facts? Over a year later, and a pan- through the pandemic, we watched this thing fester and think he's probably going to settle out of court. Instead, he tries to take his, uh, his acting skills, whatever is left of them, and bring it to court. And he gets laughed out of court. The jury returns in one day and says, you are guilty as charged. Five of six accounts. But it has not take away from the fact that he wasted thousands of man hours, investigators, all this money, all this time, this network airtime, lying about race hate, which further fuels the narrative in this country that the 1619 Project is about, that CRT is about, that were based on racism. Another example, a successful gay black man attacked because he's successful black and gay. The only problem with that, it is not true. Here's Professor Wilford Riley. He was on Fox News with Shannon last night. Cut three. My honest opinion is that he believed that a certain cadre of people, a guilty, perhaps mostly white liberals, very racialist African-Americans, so on down the line, would believe him no matter what he said. Uh, People have called this position cynical, but at the same time, we just saw that Black Lives Matter literally took it. They said that there was no way they would ever believe a police officer over Mr. Smollett or presumably any other criminal. And for good measure, they said that policing shouldn't exist as an institution. Mm-hmm. So I think as an actor, he knew his audience. Uh, he is so smart. I was on his podcast, just like I was on Will Kane's podcast, who joins me in studio, was kind enough to film for me on Fox and Friends. And now I'm in Texas. Total role reversal, Will. I know. You're normally in Texas, and I'm normally in New York. Can you handle the switch? No, I know. I'm, I'm incredibly jealous, not <laughs> just of your geographic location, but yes. apparently of your sense of ego as well, because I was sitting around listening to the Brian Kilmeade show. Right. About five minutes ago. And I did, in fact, hear you compare yourself to a rock star. Yeah, I couldn't help it, the the analogy. I mean, going from uh, place to place, big crowds, big signings. I don't Mm -hmm. play a musical instrument, although uh, in eighth grade I was all junior high clarinet. Well, you didn't compare yourself to a traveling salesman. There were plenty of analogies available to you, but you chose Mick Jagger. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, Amway doesn't really fly for me. It doesn't help my audience imagine the success. So I decided to go rock star. I did not think that's where the rubber hit the road with our relationship. No, no, I did no, not think, not. and I didn't think that's, I didn't think that was going to be the big stop sign in the segment. Well, I can't help myself. I'm sitting here listening to the show and hear right. Brian Kilme go, like a rock star. I'm right. all over the place. Tyler, Texas, in fact, tomorrow night. <laughs> so let's just say I love Tyler, but the stones aren't stopping in Tyler. They should. They should. They should. And then to Tulsa, then to Oklahoma City, then to Dayton, then to Cincinnati, if they wanted to follow in my footsteps and truly have the success that's been eluding them. But, Will, uh, why talk about rock stars when we could talk about fake hate, this fake hate crime? And the fact is that the president of the United States, the vice president, Al Sharpton, Black Lives Matter, all believe this guy. BLM still holds to that story. Do you think they got to come out and apologize and say, you know, I was too quick to believe? Something in this country uh, that is so uh, destructive, and I'm wrong to do that? Instead, are they going to be like MSNBC and totally forget to bring it up last night? No, because 
the people you just mentioned, from Al Sharpton to President Joe Biden, weren't conned, Brian. They weren't marks. They weren't duped. They were willing accomplices in this hoax, in this hate crime, in this lie that indicts the entire United States of America. It's easier to believe a lie than to reimagine your entire worldview. And all of these people have bought into the idea already that America is racist Mm -hmm. to its core. And why have they done that, Brian? Because in this melodrama, you know, Jesse Smollett was an actor who was starring in two dramas. One, a moderately successful show in Empire. And secondarily, he's starring in a performance where he cast himself as one of the most virtuous things you can be in modern day 2021 America, which is a victim, a martyr. And so he cast himself in that role. But the American media and Al Sharpton and Joe Biden and Kamala Harris, they are willing participants. They're accomplices in in Jussie's hoax because what they have done is cast themselves as the heroes in our racial melodrama. They cast the United States as the villain. Jussie, by the way, specifically cast... Donald Trump supporters as the villain. And then in walks President Trump and everyone else ready to set the entire nation on fire along racial line divisions in order to paint themselves as the hero. I don't think you'll get an apology, Brian. I don't think you'll get an admission of mistake because in their minds there was no mistake made. They don't care if it was true or false. They only care about the narrative and the character they're playing. Yeah, I mean, a couple of things. I think you're right. Al Sharpton at least said the reported hate attack. He He's the only one who got close to couching it. On my friend and brother, uh, Jesse Smollett is despicable and outrageous. The guilty must face the maximum. I agree. Cory Booker, the vicious attack on Jesse Smollett was an attempted modern-day lynching. I'm glad he's safe. To those in Congress who do not feel the urgency to pass our anti-lynching bill, designated lynching as a federal hate crime, I urge you to pay attention. We are. And the vice president, of course, it's his, for her friend, AOC. There is no such thing as racially charged. The attack was not, was not possibly homophobic. It was a racist, homophobic attack. If you don't like what is happening to our country, then work to change it. It is no one's job to water down or sugarcoat the rise of hate crimes. Man, if I'm her, I'm angry at Smollett because you made me look dumb. But instead, they're just going to quiet down. So, so Brian, I think now it's important for us to expand this lesson we've learned from Jussie Smollett. It is not a denial that racism exists in the United States of America, nor the denial of the existence of hate crimes, but it's to point out their massive exaggeration. Yeah. There is not the level of hate crime, nor the unarmed black men being killed by police, nor the level of racism in this country that is being sold to the American people. Jussie Smollett is simply an illustration. He's not an isolated incident. You had the University of Missouri incident some years ago now, five, six years ago. You remember that, where a supposed hate crime took place on the University of Missouri. All of these, almost all of these, Brian, unarmed black men killed by police are are factually false in the narrative telling that the American public receives. For example, just as an example, right. uh, uh, Jacob Blake being unarmed. That's just a small example that is, again, illustrative of all of these incidences being a lie in large part to the American people. And again, I'm going to reiterate this because I think this is somewhat important, but also it's used to undercut the conversation you and I are having right now. I'm not denying the existence of hate crimes, and I'm not denying the existence of racism. What I'm saying is all of these race hustlers and liars and con artists like Jussie Smollett 
they're the ones undercutting the existence of real racism and real hate crimes. They're the ones willing to sacrifice real victims at the altar of their own ego. I don't think there's any question everything you say is valid. And the thing is, when you don't point it out, uh, when the hoaxes take place, you'll have no credibility when they're not. And the other thing to, to keep in mind, too, can you please tell me a positive force on this? This is what we got to do. These are the, this is the progress we've made on race. This is the progress we still have to make when it comes to race. And if for those people out there who saw what happened with George Floyd and wrote checks to BLM, those, uh, the NBA who decided to put that on the side of the courts uh, during the bubble, uh, during the bubble uh, games two years ago, they have to be embarrassed because Black Lives Matter basically says cops are terrible, Chicago cops are worse, and they never are to be believed. And uh, who cares whether you told hey. the truth or not? Uh, there's racism in America. You got I would ask for a refund. You know that's now that's an interesting that's an interesting place to turn, Brian. So, Black Lives Matter, the organization, has revealed itself through this process, handcuffing themselves to Justice Smollett just hours before the verdict, saying we believe him no matter the outcome, even if he's exposed as a hoax, con, and liar. We're with Justice Smollett. Well, my question is. Is then in turn, what does someone like Mark Cuban decide to believe? Because Mark Cuban has held fast to the idea that Black Lives Matter is an idea, not an organization. And that idea is one for racial equality. What I think that the NBA and and, and Mark Cuban need to now stare in the mirror face to face about, and I'm not isolating Mark, but he's one example within the NBA, is what have I been supporting you have to really ask yourself that. And, yeah. and there are many people, and, and I break this news to the NBA, there are many people that support the idea of racial equality. And not only is it not compatible, but it's antagonistic to the platform of Black Lives Matter. No question. Uh, Mark Cuban in particular, knee-jerk, uh, knee-jerk reaction, let's stop playing the national anthem. He also had that. I'm a big fan of his, by the way. I think he's an impactful, really good person. I think you can learn a lot from. But uh, I also think you can engage him on an issue, situation like this that he doesn't usually duck from conversations on this. Oh, I don't so, know. I don't yeah. know if he'd be willing to engage on this topic. I, I'm disappointed. Hey, by the way, Brian, I'm a fan as well of Mark as an individual, and I'm a fan of the Dallas Mavericks. But I guess um, the ultimate sign of respect is being able to look someone in the eye and say, hey, you are 100% wrong, and you need to figure out the right path on this issue. And I'm disappointed in his willingness to do so. Yeah, I mean, uh, he has no problem texting me when he feels as though I'm wrong and he goes off on it. But we still, when, it, when given an opportunity, he always engages and tries to come on. So it just shows to show you that's the place we should be. Engage on issues, debate on issues, but don't stop talking to people because you don't agree with them. Uh, Will, I know you've worked all morning. Um, uh, so I have uh, my last thing to bring up to you would just be on the coronavirus. How many shots are you willing to take? Right now we got the two shots, unless you got Johnson and Johnson. Then we got heard about the booster shot. Now they're talking about another shot for a variant that will give us a 99 fever and a runny nose. Where does the rubber hit the road with Will Kane? How many shots are you willing to take in your deltoid? Oh, you're asking me my own personal health decision, which I yes. will not run from. By the way, we should point out that the CEOs of Pfizer and Moderna are now suggesting, what are we up to, Brian? Four shots? That's what they're suggesting. Four they, shots. They, by the yeah. way, have no conflict of interest. None whatsoever. Not. Just objective dare tellers of up. science yeah. on this. Um, I, 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 um, I'm telling you that my line is drawn at one shot. So I, I got Johnson & Johnson, and I have no interest in chasing fear to the benefit of big pharma. Now, 
I'll tell you this, Brian, I will, just like everyone else, including you, be subjected to the external pressures of society to participate in whatever it is that is required, including potentially employment. If the mayor of New York has his way, he'll require me to continue to get shots to stay employed in New York City. I will have to balance all of those pressures. But from a scientific and health reason, Brian, zero, zero interest in any more shots. Vitamin D, vitamin B, eat right. Uh, do your best. I'm zinc. not doing. I'm not doing. Yeah, do zinc. I am not doing the hygiene theater. I'm done. I looked at my electronic vaccine card. You know what popped up? An expiration date. My that, that expiration right? date is not on the written card. But when I register with New York State, suddenly I have an expiration date. Is that right? So this is for I guess a different podcast. And by the way, well, thanks for having me on. Uh, your podcast is fantastic. You had Thank me on you. twice. I truly appreciate it. How do we get it? I'm a big fan of Brian Kilmeade and of Brian's new book, The President and the Freedom Fighter, which I hope many of you are seeing him across the nation. He spent an hour with me on the Will Cain podcast at Fox News Podcast, Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. And I think you get to hear more. I know you already get a lot of Brian Kilmeade every morning, but you get more. We go deep on Frederick Douglass, on Abraham Lincoln, and how Brian goes about the process of writing, something that always fascinates me. Will Kane, you're really nice, despite what Pete tells me about you and Rachel has written, put in written, uh, in written form. And you're not a rock star. Uh, absolutely. Let's make that clear. I'll see you all weekend long for eight hours, Saturday and Sunday, 6 to 10. All right, man. Will Kane, thank you. When we come back, everyone will be with us except Will. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Janice Dean, Fox News Senior Meteorologist. Be sure to subscribe to the Janice Dean Podcast at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And don't forget to spread the sunshine. As many of you know from your own life experiences, a life in so-called blue-collar work is something to be proud of. It is very rewarding to work that has impact on your friends, your neighbors, and your family's lives. Great successes can be had in the blue-collar career. There's no degree requirement for achieving comfort, peace, and freedom. While schools cut shop classes and funnel students into colleges, there are plenty of options for hard workers who are ready to take advantage of open positions. Many young people today assume that college is the only way to achieve success in life. That is not true. Let me introduce you to Ken Rusk. Ken spent his younger years digging ditches and working in construction. He never went to college. Instead, he made goals, planned, and worked hard for 30 years. Now Ken is a successful entrepreneur with multiple businesses and revenue streams. In his national best-selling book, Blue Collar Cash, Ken shares his insights from over 30 years of working in blue-collar trades as an entrepreneur, mentor, and life coach. Now he's created a guide made specifically for you and your unique situation. This guide will give you or someone you love the tools you need to start designing the life of their dreams. You can achieve your dreams regardless of your educational background or your past. Go to KenRusk.com path to learn more. That's KenRusk.com path. A talk show that's real. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show. I wasn't able to do Fox & Friends today. I'm on the road. Last night I was at American Gardens in Fort Worth, a great beer garden. Had a chance to address people in the outdoors, 75 degrees. Take your questions for a half hour, then sign until the night. The great Daryl Johnston, the outstanding fullback for the Dallas Cowboys, was there. Now he's a great broadcaster with Fox. But able to meet some great people. So many served in the military. And today it's my privilege to come to you from KTBB, uh, 92.1 FM. 
uh, 97.5 FM, I should say, and 600 AM. And today I'm going to be in Tyler, Texas, in the Texas Music City at 5424 Jacksonville Highway. I'll be there from 12 to 2. Then I'll pack up, much to the chagrin of Will Kane, like a rock star. I will go to Longview Mall at J.C. Penney Court, and I'll sign there from 3 till 5. So I hope to see everybody in person signing the President of Freedom Fighter. We take on race. We take on talk about America, talk about Lincoln. We talk about Frederick Douglass. And you probably saw the special on Fox News. Now it's on Fox Nation that gives you really a foundation of what this story is about from the people that it matters the most to. When we come back, uh, we'll be joined by Taya Kyle, widow of Chris Kyle, the, the hero from Afghanistan and Iraq, to talk about an extremely important cause. You're listening to The Brian Kilmeade Show on the road. In Tyler, Texas. Don't move. New from the Fox News Podcasts Network. My name is Kennedy, and welcome to my podcast, which will, I humbly say, single-handedly save the world. You're welcome. It's Kennedy Saves the World. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. A radio show like no other. It's Brian Kilmeade. Hey, we're back. Uh, thanks so much for listening, everybody. We're on the road on KTBB on um, beautiful Tyler, Texas. And I have a chance now to continue to do this show uh, for three hours, up an hour earlier, although my body does not acknowledge this time zone. More on that later. Uh, it's my privilege to bring in one of the great friends of the show and the country, Taya Kyle, uh, widow of Navy SEAL Chris Kyle, and who's done so much work on her own in Chris's memory and her own legacy and her own sense of patriotism, and it hasn't stopped. Uh, Taya, how are you? I'm doing great. How are you? Good. Now, uh, I'm sorry I missed you on Fox and Friends today, but I want to still help with the Ramos Foundation honoring the slain NYPD officer, Rafael Ramos. Uh, it doesn't seem like seven years ago, but it was seven years ago. So not only are you helping the military and those who served, but you're also helping law enforcement. You, uh, you made that leap. Why does that matter so much? Yeah, you know, it's just that really... Chris and I realized when he was active duty and we got to know a lot of first responders that the jobs are very similar. They both, their marriages and their families go through a lot of the same things. And J.W. Cortez was on Stars and Stripes with him, and he was saying last night, he's now the president of the Ramos Foundation, and he was saying that, you know, Chris made a good point in saying that at least when, when the SEALs go in to combat, they know who the bad guys are. And for a police officer... You know, you can go up to a car. You're not really sure who's the bad guy. And the perfect example is Officer Lou and Ramos, who were executed that day. They were just in their car, and they were assassinated. They don't know who the bad guys are necessarily. So um, I thought that was a really powerful point that Chris made, and and JW is carrying the torch now. So Chris, based on a conversation they also had where Chris was like, hey, if you ever get the opportunity to give back. And even though JW is a police officer and has been forever, it's like, we, you know, they give back too. It's pretty cool to watch. Wow! And so, this in particular is there. Uh, is there an event coming up? Uh, is there something people should be aware of, or a place where you can go? Yeah, I think that if they go to the Ramos Foundation, and I believe it's RamosFoundation.org. But one of the things I think you'll love too, Brian, and and definitely your listeners will. I did was that they're honoring the life of Rafael Ramos, who behind the badge he's a full human being, right? So he served the community. He was an officer at a school. He was becoming an honorary chaplain for the NYPD. And so what the Ramos Foundation does is they give back to school kids. They supply uh, school supplies, uniforms. And the coolest thing is they do it like 
two blocks from where they were assassinated. So where the hate came to them, they're infusing love right back, and they're doing it in uniform for these kids. I think it's so powerful. Well, I understand the uh, you're in New York for the next last couple of days helping out with this foundation. Uh, for you in particular, what do people say to you when they see you? You know, it's really it's, it's fascinating because, and by the way, I can't believe that you're in Texas on the day that I'm in New York. What are the chances? I know. What's that, going um, on here? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. We're going to have to swap back. Um, but, yeah, it's, it was interesting because there were a number of widows there, and I'm far enough out now where I could have those conversations without getting teary myself. Uh, Maritza Ramos, her husband was Rafael Ramos. You know, it was his 47th birthday yesterday, and so I could relate to those feelings that she was having. She's seven years out of, man, it's his birthday, and then kind of crying in the morning and putting on the happy face at night to try to raise money for this organization and honor the good part of his life. So that part was interesting, but I also felt good about being able to get up. They had me as the keynote speaker and I felt different this year. I felt like I could make more jokes and laugh and also bring the heart. And for me, that's such a big step forward. I I love being able to to laugh with people and to bring some light into the darkness and not just be the the crying widow, you know, who's, who's having a hard time. So that was nice. Yeah, I mean, the one thing I think that people unintentionally are insensitive about is they think because years have passed, the pain goes away. And on holidays, it actually in many ways gets worse. So as people try to get happy, a lot of times it has the negative, uh, has the boomerang effect, the opposite effect. Um, I know when when my dad died, I was in ninth grade. You know, my mom never got over it. And like Mm -hmm. it it would just be so insensitive when people would say, that was so many years ago. And, Mm -hmm. and, And I thought, you realize how how callous that sounds to sometimes you get that too. Yeah. And you know what? The thing is, I'm so compassionate to people when they have those responses to death, because unless you've lived it or experienced it, I understand that feeling of time on earth is different than your soul's time. And so it's like with death, I think there's something different spiritual that happens where your soul is still sort of connected. And so we lose track of time and think, that, you know, this linear time on earth isn't really happening, not to get too, you know, philosophical, but for me, that's got to be what it is, because death is different. It just changes things. So I think um, it is, it is insensitive once you know. Uh, But the other thing is, I try not to make things harder than they have to be, right? So if Chris has a birthday coming up, I go, I'm going to expect to be able to celebrate the day. And if I cry, I cry. You know, right. and I probably will, but I don't, I try to at least not go, it's his birthday. I'm going to dread it. It's going to be a horrible day. And I think everybody handles it differently. But for me, I keep trying to just remember him every day and be joyful. And then when I get hit by the, you know, the rug getting pulled out and I'm all of a sudden crying, I just have to honor that time too. So, you know, what's interesting is I, I went to an event for Michael Murphy and Marcos Luttrell was there uh, on Long Island. They're going to make a, a seal museum on Long Island. I'm sure they'll, they'll try to bring you out for that if, you haven't, if they haven't already when it's finally done. But yeah. uh, when you talk about when you're around Gold Star families after the 13 die in Kabul, totally unnecessarily because the irresponsibility of the current leadership and 13 mm-hmm. die when they didn't have to. That really, it, you see the anger in the Gold Star families. I was wondering your thought when you saw that explosion in Kabul. Yeah, I mean, that, that one is, that's insanity. And I understand the anger, too, because you just think for your leadership to not value those lives enough to do what was necessary to get them out when they're, they're, they're giving their lives literally, that was inexcusable. And for me, it's odd that the country, 
I think as a whole, didn't realize what actually happened there. And of course, you know, we have movies that were made afterward, and that's good to bring awareness. And I know you keep bringing up as a way to honor that memory and to make sure that we don't forget, which is, I think, really important because to this day, there are people that just were like, wait, what happened? You know, we didn't know. And, and these guys died so honorably and fought such a good fight that they, they didn't have to die. I mean, some of those were contractors too and they were running into the fight to save others expecting help it was awful i awful like gut-wrenching um there was a couple of things that went on when when you saw what happened in afghanistan and when you see the way we left after the years in which we fought and you gave a whole generation this generation of warfighters gave a whole generation a chance to grow up with a degree of freedom with women going to school with women having careers with women serving in government now i know it was no uh, garden of eden in afghanistan mm-hmm. but it's still for 20 years women had a chance to learn to read and write and drive and uh, and have a job and now that's gone, and the way it happened, I was wondering in the military circles, I'm just wondering how that resonated, and it is, is it as um, uh, painful for you as it is for people like me? It is. You know, I, you know me, Brian, I'm always trying to, to see where is the light in any situation, and so for the people who were thinking it was all for nothing, I tried to encourage them, you know, warriors who are over there and thinking, why did we give our lives or our limbs for this? Or my friends die and then it's all for nothing. And I was thinking, on the one hand, those women and children and families, the civilians that they were fighting for over there, they got a break from terrorism. And that's always worth something. That's always valuable. You can't take that away. The flip side is now they're back in the crap again, you know, and now they're being terrorized again so severely. And there's a trade, you know, routes going into India and all around that are going to change the dynamics. There's lithium and all these products that we, I don't think, pay enough attention to in America that it's like China said forever. They want the natural resources there. They want the lithium and they've got a free ride right through there now. So I think it's, I think we're not going to see the impact of it on that stage for a while, but I think it's already happening. So it's dangerous. And if people have been over there and if they've studied it, they realize like that was a huge blow to the world that we're going to see over the next decade. And it was obviously a huge blow to everybody who fought and said, man, we made such progress. And you just freaking gave it up because you were too careless to figure out a good plan. Like it's, it's insanity. Taya, uh, Kyle's our guest. Taya, the other thing is, when you talk about rare earth, that was in Afghanistan. We did not make a move excavated. To our credit, to a degree, we said, this is their stuff. Mm-hmm. But we should yep. have made a deal and said, listen, we'll cut you in, but we have the equipment. We have the knowledge and technology to do it. You don't. Instead, we mm-hmm. left. We also, if you explain to the American people, hey, guys, I know you're tired of this war, but let me just explain to you the reason why we have to have a presence mm-hmm. there and show a map. There's China. Mm-hmm. There's Pakistan. Uh, there's Russia. Uh, mm-hmm. There's this is where ISIS is. This is where Al Qaeda is. If we go, mm-hmm. this is wide open. Bagram Air Base gives us a looking glass into the doings of all our enemies. That's why it's worth this much money, and it's in our national interest. And if you want to run on that, and they want to not elect you, that's the American people's problem. That is mm-hmm. that is us being irresponsible. But instead, they say, well, I promised to pull out, and they do it. So General Austin was asked by Brett Baer, any regrets? Listen to this. 
do you have any regrets about the Afghan withdrawal? Brett, I regret the fact that uh, we lost 13 of our finest at Abbey Gate. I regret that we lost 10 civilians in an errant strike. Having said that, Brett, I want to make sure that we don't. We don't I can't lose. even hear the rest of it. Uh, the rest of it is he starts spinning it like a politician. We did a great job flying people out that had no reason to get out of there. We were throwing in shopkeepers and shoemakers into these planes because President Biden said, "I'm embarrassed to see these planes leave empty." But Taylor, what was your what was your thought when he had that long pause? Brett said he thought he was having a heart attack or something. He just froze. Oh, he knew he was screwed in that moment. Like he knew that. Okay, that's a big question. And the only honest answer was yes. I mean, are you kidding me? I got calls from friends and people I know who were trying to use me as a conduit to get other um, people to, to rescue them, right? Like there are families, there are translators, there were Americans that were stuck over there, and we were all calling each other going, hey, do you know this guy? Could this guy get him out? Could that guy get him out? They're in peril. They're in danger. You know, it was a huge, huge deal. And they're completely trying to gloss over it and act like, oh, no, we got the people out. No, it, it was devastating. I mean, there was one of the guys, his daughter was murdered immediately, one of the translators. I mean, the, the, the coverage, you're, you're covering it, and I applaud you for that, and I applaud you guys for keeping after it. But as far as the, the um, society as a whole and our culture in America, they have no idea how bad it was. And that's, that's sad. It is. Because and it is terrible. And I talked to Scott Mann on a regular basis, many of which gave up their livelihoods and jobs and cashed in their 401ks to set up their own Mm -hmm. civilian operation to get their interpreters and their allies out of there and American citizens. And it's unbelievable. And for them to do it. But you know what I feel good about is that the American people have not forgiven Biden. And his numbers yeah. have not recovered. The war that everybody was sick of, that's uh, allegedly, air quotes, sick of, we were tired of, we had to get out of there, even though it was not affecting mm-hmm. anyone's lives except for the military men and women and their families. Even having said that, they still have not, they are so embarrassed about how America looked in doing it. And we're paying the price, in my humble opinion, with the Ukraine and Russia, with China and Taiwan, and who knows what North Korea is going to do next. And Iran is now emboldened because we're trying to get back in that ridiculous deal. And the Abraham Accords mm-hmm. sit there dormant because Donald Trump, uh, Donald Trump's administration pushed it forward. Just your thoughts yeah. about uh, about that. Well, the thing is, look, nobody wants war, you know, especially when you see the effects of it. It's horrible. The truth is, if you've fought the war, you need to maintain some semblance of control because you're dealing with generations of people yep. who did not have freedom. They don't just automatically rise up. You don't unlock the door and all of a sudden they're like, okay, we're free. We know how to do this. Let's get rid of the terrorists. You have to stay there long enough to keep encouraging them, keep showing them that we won't leave you. You you can do this. You can fight terrorism on your own. We did the total opposite. We were like, yeah, we're out. We left you. Good luck. And that, that impact lasts decades because when are they going to trust us again and by the way when are our allies going to really trust us i mean i don't know i I think there were so many implications of that move and the way that it was done it was yeah pathetic and and lastly taya i'm talking with taya kyle Uh, how are your kids they're so good i'm telling you what i am they are you know young adults late teens and they are a total blast i remember somebody telling me a long time ago don't assume that teenage years are rough every age 
has something that's challenging, but the teen years are incredibly fun if you allow them to be and keep communication open. And so by the grace of God, I have a great relationship with both my kids and they adore each other. So it's been fun. We're having a good time. Have a great Christmas, Taylor. I'm sorry I missed you in person. Roll reversal. You're you too, normally likewise. in Texas. It's Don't yeah, take it personal. Yeah. This was scheduled no, ahead of time. All okay, right, good. Thank you. Have a great Christmas. Right, take out. Thanks. thanks. Uh, 1-866-408-7669. We'll be able to take your calls and finish up this hour, uh, whether it's the Jesse Smollett uh, case or whether it's what's happening with a, now a fourth shot we're being told to take uh, to Russia, maybe giving up land. Maybe taking land from the Ukraine at the urging of President Biden for peace. Should they ever sign off on that? This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. It's Brian Kilmeade. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Ben Domenech, publisher of The Federalist, and I'm inviting you to join a new conversation with the smartest thinkers out there about the country and where we're going. Subscribe to the Ben Domenech Podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. The more you listen, the more you'll know. It's Brian Kilmeade. Regardless of what people are saying out there, people who are not lawyers, people who are not in court, people commenting and giving the ideas from 30,000, uh, uh, you know, above sea level when they're not in court. At the end of the day, uh, we believe justice will prevail. We don't believe it was done today, but we're very confident that uh, he will be cleared and he will be found to be innocent. Right, yes, that is his defense attorney. What else do you want him to say after he was convicted of five of six uh, charges? It should have been a hundred of a hundred. He lied, he wasted our time, he embarrassed the most significant people uh, in uh, on the liberal side of things, from the president to the vice president to Oprah Winfrey to uh, every Hollywood celebrity to Cory Booker on down and said Justice Sumlet was a victim of a hate crime, which he totally made up. The guy kept a noose around his neck for hours afterwards. With me right now is Dave, listen to WVMT. Dave, was justice served? I think uh, the justice system has been wor- it's, it's too slow, but like the Triple Crown lately, uh, the Rittenhouse, we had listened to that for a year. I think they got that right. Audrey Aubrey, I think they got that right. And uh, I think they got this right. Yeah, absolutely. For sure. Now, yeah, although they don't want to admit. What do you do if you're somebody who tweeted out support for Jussie? What should you do today? Well, Black Lives Matter, they, they're they not believing the two black Nigerians. They are believing Jussie, who's half white. It doesn't make <laughs> any sense to me. Uh, that's a good point. That's a great point. Yeah, we're willing to admit that these two Nigerians told him at 1.30 in the morning to go out and get eggs because they were his fitness instructors. By the way, isn't it important to have two fitness instructors, not just one? I mean, think about this. How much he's been lying and continues to lie. Is he normally when it comes to sentencing, the judge wants to see you contrite. Is he gonna get up there and say, I admit I lied, or is he gonna sit up there and said you you railroaded me? Therefore he'll be looking at maybe years in prison. Final thought, real quick. He's a he's a good actor, but it's not a very good script. And uh, I'll tell you, it's stirring up so much hate. <laughs> Those two Nigerians got paid what, thirty six hundred dollars. Yeah. There's so much hate now. I'm sure people would beat him up for free. <laughs> Very good point. Hey, uh, I'm here in Tyler, Texas. Hope to see you at the Texas Music City. Uh, Texas Music City on Jacksonville Highway, 12 to 2. And then the Longview Mall, J.C. Penny Court from 3 to 5. Uh, don't miss it. President of Freedom Fighter Tour on the road. Brian Kilmeade Show, KTBB Studios.
Fox Nation presents podcasts, Women of the Bible Speak. I'm Shannon Bream, host of Fox News at Night and author of the new book, Women of the Bible Speak, the wisdom of 16 women and their lessons for today. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, foxnewspodcast.com, or wherever you download your podcasts. Live from the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox and Friends, it's America's receptive voice, Brian Kilmeade. Hi, everyone. It's Brian Kilmeade coming to you instead of New York from Tyler, Texas, heard around the country, heard around the world. I'm with the President Freedom Fighter Tour. Uh, today, I'm going to be in the Texas Music City on Jacksonville Highway. Hope to see everyone there. Then I'm going to Longview Mall. Maybe I can do some shopping, uh, Allison, because I really haven't yet. All right? Is that a problem? You either? The JCPenney Court there from 3 to 5. Um, so a special thanks to everybody who came out at American Gardens last night. So in Fort Worth, Texas, including Daryl Johnston, was able to come down. He no longer plays tackle football, but he does play full contact broadcast as a full contact Fox broadcaster. So I appreciate that. We have a lot to get to this hour, including a visit with Geraldo Rivera and Harry Katsianis to put in perspective the challenge of China and put in perspective, maybe go into some sources to find out what exactly happened with the virtual summit uh, with Russian leader Vladimir Putin. Uh, so let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. When Putin smells weakness, he seeks he sees that as opportunity. And that is what is taking place before our eyes today. That really is the issue. He is, he is trying to get away with as much as he possibly can. Yes, as usual. Hey, Joe, what exactly did you promise Vladimir Putin? As reports swirl, he's telling the Ukraine to give up some of their land for peace. If true, Congress has to step in and the Ukraine must push back. Number two. We got some encouraging news from Pfizer yesterday. That three doses of the Pfizer vaccine <laughs> protects against the Omicron variant. Get your booster right away. Oh, please. We know it doesn't. You overreacted. Zero credibility. The man selected to beat the virus has shown to overreact when it comes to the variants, underthink when it comes to the mandates, and is now calling for more shots. Hey, Joe, we can handle our lives, our jobs, our families. Number one. Every civil libertarian should be applauding the prosecution successfully of a false accuser. False accusations can destroy our system of justice. We have to focus on the evidence, and the evidence in this case has been overwhelming from the beginning. Yes, Jussie gets justice, and let's hope it means jail. The disgraced actor and phony victim of race hate was laughed out of court and could be facing years in jail. Why all those who ran to his defense without knowing any facts should correct the record from Van Jones to the VP to the president. Geraldo Rivera joins me now. He does everything. I can't even just say Fox News correspondent at large because you're hosting all these shows, doing the five on Fox Nation, dominant figure in all media. Hi, Geraldo. Come on, Brian. I mean, how you do I introduce that, uh, you? I, I can't, you know, catch up to you. You're so busy. <laughs> I have no t- idea what town you're in, what project you're doing. You're a hit <laughs> everywhere, bestseller, uh, you know, New York Times. You're, you're, you're everywhere and richly deserved, and I'm very proud of you. Right now, are you in Ohio or New York? Ohio. I'm heading to New York on Tuesday. Right. So, Geraldo, I have a quick question for you, and I didn't plan on asking this, except for I spent the last week watching the Beatles documentary on Disney Plus. And just knowing that you knew John Lennon, 
Uh, and seeing him in this human, I mean, I watched hours of footage with him creating their last album, which ended up on the rooftop in London. And just seeing the the reality of the Beatles, who I only remember them, they had broken up already. Who was the John Lennon you knew? Well, he was someone who gave me one of the great gifts of my life when he uh, performed his last concert. He came out of uh, seclusion to perform two concerts at Madison Square Garden to raise money for my charity to help the developmentally disabled. Wow. Uh, so that's the guy that I knew. Yes, he was the anti-war activist. Yes, he was the uh, the hippie, uh, the love child. Uh, yes, he and Yoko had a very flamboyant lifestyle. But but deep down, he was you know he was a, an enormously talented, uh, loyal, wonderful person. And and when you think that it was 41 years ago that he was killed, uh, you know, the 8th of December was the anniversary of uh, the attack that, that, that killed him. Uh, it, it, we lost 41 years of music. He died at the yeah. age of 40. Wow. So 41 years, he could have been making music the way Paul McCartney has been making music, and it just makes that crime even more egregious. But I loved him. I loved Yoko. Uh, you know, they're, they're wonderful children. Uh, you know, Sean is a, a real man now. Uh, I, I just feel awful what happened to John, and, and I feel awful for the rest of us that we were deprived right. and denied his enormous talent for the four decades since he was killed. Have you seen the documentary? I've seen pieces of it. I haven't seen the whole the whole thing yet. I just uh, Greg Palcott sent me a big clip uh, that included my uh, my Nightline appearance on the night John was murdered. Uh, you know, I only lived a few blocks away. I lived on forty on sixty fourth street, sixty fourth and Central Park West. Uh, you know, he was killed at the Dakota, seventy second and Central Park West. You know, the windows were open, we heard the shots, but in those days, uh, in nineteen eighty, hearing shots at Central Park was nothing nothing out of the ordinary. So then I got the call from Nightline and I was on the air, you know, ninety minutes after the the murder of my friend, and it was uh, wow. It, was, it rattled. It rattled me. Uh, I'll never forget that night. Uh, I, uh, Palcott actually wrote the uh, write the wrote the bio. Our own colleague uh, Greg Palcott, now in London, he wrote the uh, the bio for the uh, for Ted Koppel to read on uh, John Lennon for that broadcast. So it was uh, you know wow. it was an amazing uh, amazing night. I had just been with them six weeks before. The murder. I just I was just with John and Yoko. Uh, they had the double fantasy album had come out. His career was back on track. Uh, you know, it was uh, it was a wonderful time in their life. Uh, Sean was a toddler. Uh, they were back together as a couple, and then to have this uh, this happen, it's just one of those gut checks that uh, you don't easily forget, Brian. Wow. Um... So, yeah, so, I, I mean, just to see these 28-year-olds uh, creating their last album together, I just think that when it would come to Live Aid or things like that, they would have gotten back together, I would think, for those great moments. And I almost got them together for the Madison Square Garden, uh, John's uh, concert. Uh, the only reason Paul didn't go is they had, uh, they had issues on who was getting the rights to which songs. Uh, it wasn't about wow. Yoko. It wasn't about uh, uh, Paul was married to uh, uh, Linda Eastman. 
Uh, it wasn't about their relationships. It was it was more of a commercial dispute that would, I agree with you, would have worked itself out. Right. Uh, Geraldo Rivera with me now. So that was a left turn, but it was even better than I thought. I'm so glad I made the left. But now i got to talk about something else, uh, okay. crime and, and uh, the lack of crime, and there should be punishment, and that Justice Smollett case. We all knew it was fiction. He went all the way through the trial. Five of six counts, he's convicted. Uh, and I just think about the damage he did for people who are victims of hate crime and the people whose credibility should all be questioned. Here's a look at what the me- how the media responded when Smollett claimed that MAGA loyalists attacked him because he was gay and black. Cut one. This is a Jackie Robinson against homophobia in the black community, an icon, a beloved icon, and now you have the fall of an icon. MAGA supporters have painted themselves as that. I mean, when you look at footage, when you hear things they say, these are this is the honest-to-goodness truth, and we have to be bold enough to call but that why? out. But in the court of public opinion... It, it matters. It, it matters, and he lost yeah. that because of how, and, and not his fault, maybe people were, I don't know what they were saying to him, How maybe because of his representatives, I, who, who knows? All these people say, just taking him at his word, your thoughts on this farce of a trial? Well, I think the, I thought the trial was fine. Uh, yeah, uh, you're I, right. Uh, you bad know, bad language. The farce, the farce of, of a, yeah, <laughs> case. Uh, you know, Emmett Till came from Chicago. The, the black teenager who went uh, on holiday family uh, vacation down in Mississippi, he allegedly flirted with a white girl in, a, in, the, in her family-owned uh, store. Uh, he was lynched as a result, you know, a teenager, Edmund Till, black teenager, lynched uh, in Mississippi. It's the memory of people like Emmett Till that are most defamed by this punk, by Jussie Smollett. Uh, you know, they make these allegations of these hate crimes less believable. Jesse Smollett owes an apology to Emmett Till and everybody who was horribly violated by racism. He played racism for his own commercial advancement. He gamed everyone. He, he is a, a disgrace uh, to himself. The fact that he could lie in front of his mother and his family in that courtroom every day. Uh, it, he is despicable. I, I want him to be sentenced. I want him to do jail time. I, I don't think he should do flamboyant jail time, but he should do enough time that he understands what happened. And the, the other punishment over the jail public address system, they should pay the, play the Dave Chappelle mockery of Jussie Smollett. It is so <laughs> hilarious. Uh, and it, it's it's so it putting you know him. Allison, can we get that, right uh, Eric? Yeah, we'll try to pull that up. So I listen mean, to this. So, so when it, when it, it happened, funny. when it happened, Rondo, here's what President Biden, the candidate Biden said: What happened today to Justice Lumet must never be tolerated in this country. We must stand up and demand that we no longer give this hate safe harbor. The homophobia and racism has no place in our streets and our hearts. Uh, Vice President Harris, Jesse Sumet is one of the kindest, most gentle human beings. I'm praying for his recovery. This was an attempt to modern-day lynching. No one should have to fear for their life because of their sexuality or color of their skin. We must confront hate. Uh, and I go on like nine different tweets in support. Do they have to come out and express anger and regret for quickly believing that America is this horrible racist place and this must have happened? What I would like to see, if I were, I always say, you know, especially on the five, I wish that I represented Kamala Harris because she is so badly, uh, you know, represented uh, by herself. Whoever, but she, she is 
doing a terrible job uh, and must be getting terrible advice. But the advice I would give her in this case is to go public and say, uh, yeah, you don't even have to hold a press conference. It could be in the context of some other bigger issue. And by the way, I, have, I just have to apologize for jumping to conclusions when the Jussie Smollett uh, case was brought to my attention. I should have waited until more facts exactly. came out before uh, making an allegation that exacerbates <laughs> the critical race yes. issue we have in this country. Absolutely. What about Black Lives Matter? Come out the full page, and I can't read the whole thing, but basically said it doesn't matter. Prior to the decision, this is what Black Lives Matter says. We stand in solidarity with Smollett. As abolitionists, we approach situations of injustice with love and align ourselves with our community because we got us. So let's be clear. We love everybody. It's not about trial or verdict decided by white supremacist charade. It's about how we treat our community when the corrupt systems are working to devalue their lives. Goes on to just say Chicago Police Department. We never believe police, especially the Chicago Police Department. It gets worse from there. If you wrote a check because you are upset about racial inequity in this country and that check landed in that organization who wrote this missive i would demand a refund well black lives matter has made itself increasingly irrelevant i think that like bail reform and defund the police black lives matter will be in the 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 trash heap of uh, of civil rights very soon you when you have it uh, it doesn't matter What's real or not real doesn't matter as long as one side is uh, black and the other side is white. Yeah. Uh, or one side is black and the other side is an institution. Uh, if that is that you jump for the stereotype and that's all you support and facts right. don't matter and truth doesn't matter, then you don't matter right. either, Brian. Hey, hey, guess what, Geraldo? Uh, remember, didn't we have a great bump out with Geraldo when he was uh, last? Was it last week? We we oh uh, from. Uh, Baywatch. Didn't we have from Baywatch? Okay, Geraldo, you you bring it up, and Eric and Allison and Pete made it happen. Let's listen. I'll never forget what happened to that French actor. You know what I'm talking about? Juicy Smouillet. He's a very French, very famous French actor. The whole country was up in arms. He was talking about it all the time on the news. And and for some reason, uh, African Americans, we were like oddly quiet. We were so quiet about this that the gay community started accusing African-American community of being homophobic for not supporting him. What they didn't understand is that we were supporting him with our silence. (laughs) Because we understood that this was clearly lying. (laughs) (laughs) Is that what you were talking about? That's what I was talking about. Geraldo, thanks so much. So when are we going to see you in the five again? Uh, Tuesday. When do we see Cops? Uh, A new episode drops today. Fox Nation. Um, Fox Nation, absolutely. See how hard I have to work to give you promos? You should be (laughs) leading me there. This is unbelievable. You're supposed to be the pro. I got it. I still have to show you how to do this. This is unbelievable. You're the master now, Brian. All right. Thank you, Geraldo. This is my time. Goodbye. Uh, when we come back, your calls, one 408 And then Harry Katsianis brings us inside the Russian negotiations and what is happening with China. You listen to The Brian Kilmeade Show. Educating. Entertaining. Enlightening. You're with Brian Kilmeade. 
It's the Hammer Time Podcast. Fox News Channel's Bill Hammer takes you one-on-one with engaging personalities covering the critical issues of the day. Find Hammer Time now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News. If you're interested in it, Brian's talking about it. You're with Brian Kilmeade. But Jesse Smollett, I think, committed moral treason by exploiting the rich legacy of the civil rights movement, using it to advance his career. And that has dire consequences for uh, police resources that have been employed to investigate that case. These are resources that could have been spent trying to reduce the murder rate that is at all-time high in Chicago's dangerous killing fields. Yeah, you think so? Uh, Pete Buttigieg, tell me how this sounds from 2019. While the struggle for basic hate rhyme legislation continues here in Indiana, this horrible attack calls all Americans to stand up against hatred and violence in all forms. Cory Booker, this vicious attack on Jussie Smollett was an attempted modern-day lynching. I'm glad he's safe. In those, uh, to those in Congress who don't feel the urgency to pass our anti-lynching bill, designated lynching as a federal hate crime, I urge you to pay attention. Al Sharpton, the reported hate crime attack on my friend and actor brother, Justice Smollett, is despicable and outrageous. The guilty must face the maximum. And I do indeed hope they do. Uh, that was my words at the end. Jonathan Turley, cut six. He used our long and painful divisions over race for his own advancement. And when he went on the stand, a lot of people were confused because the evidence was so overwhelming, they couldn't believe that he was trying to convince someone of this tall tale. Well, he really wasn't. He was trying to get a vote of nullification for people to acquit him despite his guilt. Right. And it didn't work. Six men, six women, including an African-American, said no. And what's striking is that they showed far more responsibility far more circumspection than some of our political leaders, you know, like Vice President Harris, who came out and called this an attempted lynching, and Speaker Pelosi and others. They rushed to fulfill this narrative despite the facts. Yeah, uh, John and Charlie put it plainly. But the crazy thing is, when it comes to sentencing, He's going to have to admit contrition. He's got to say, listen, I'm sorry about this. I hope you'll be easy on me. Or look at three to five years in prison. By the way, I'm going to be I'm here in Tyler, Texas. I'll be at Texas Music City at, uh, at 12 o'clock today. Longview, Texas at 3 o'clock. Tulsa, Oklahoma, Saturday, December 11th at Books A Million. I want everyone KRMG to meet me there. And then Oklahoma City in the afternoon at Full Circle Bookstore. And don't forget, if you're in Pennsylvania listening on the stream or anywhere else, Newtown, Pennsylvania, Tuesday, Cincinnati, and then Dayton. Back in a moment. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, download and listen to The One with Craig Gutfeld, the co-host of The Five, like you've never heard him before. You know him, you love him, you want to be like him. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Radio that makes you think. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show. It's no coincidence that Russia... China and Iran during the last 11 months, all of that time of the, during the Biden administration, have increased their aggression rather significantly, either directly or indirectly against the United States and our partners. And I also believe as a result of the collapse of Afghanistan, 
that has, in a sense, became an accelerant. And I believe the aggression in these three countries, and particularly Putin's most recent aggression, are all tied to their perception that this administration is more about appeasement and accommodation than it is about confrontation and countering their strategic objectives. Unless something changes. I do love the fact that they got 100 democracies together. The president had a summit of those democracies. It was mocked by China, but it got under their skin. Harry Katsianis knows all about the hot spots in the world. He's senior director of the Center for National Interest. Harry, welcome back. Hey, Brian. Happy Christmas. The same to you. What is your assessment on what General Keene just said about the weakness? Oh, General Keene, spot on. I mean, what we're seeing is what I would call as an authoritarian axis of countries that are all working together, and I think more so in the, in the years to come, to pursue and, and help each other with their own national interests. I mean, look, it's no coincidence, Brian, that all of a sudden Russia has 175,000 troops on the border with Ukraine, potentially to strike, to cleave off part of that country, at the same time that the Chinese are essentially playing chicken with Taiwan sending bombers, new stealth fighters, technology they stole from the United States, to try and push and see what Joe Biden would do, to test him, to see if they can basically subjugate these two countries, which are essentially their biggest national security priorities. So what the general said is is spot on. It's, It's quite dangerous. So this is what the Associated Press is reporting. In advance of the call that Biden had with Zelensky yesterday, the leader of Ukraine, He's urging Zelensky to formally cede some autonomy in a portion of the Ukrainian lands already controlled by Russian-backed separatists in order to head off an invasion. Number one, do you believe that to be true? And would you in a million years from be Zelensky and accept this? No way. I, I, think, I think it's possibly true. Um, I think we'll have to wait and see what other reporting comes out. But I, I wouldn't be shocked if it is. I mean, but for, for, for the Ukrainians, though, Brian, the key thing here is, is to not back down, not to provoke the Russians because they don't want to get into a conflict with them because for, for lots of different reasons, it would be a, a bloody affair. But I think what, what needs to happen here is, is Joe Biden needs to signal that the Ukrainians are in charge of their own destiny, whether they want to join NATO, which is the reason why Vladimir Putin is so petrified and has those 175,000 troops on the border, or, or not join NATO. But the, the one thing that the United States has always stood for, Brian, and you're a, a smart student of history, you know this well, is that the United States believes in self-determination, that the democracies and countries around the world have a right to choose what side of, of history they're on, what alliances they have, what, whatever that may be. That is really what is at stake here. And I think for Joe Biden, Joe Biden needs to respect whatever the Ukrainian people want to do. If they do want to join NATO, then yes, then then Joe Biden needs to support that. Or if they want to be neutral, like like Finland or something like that during the Cold War, then that's something we could support as well. But we can't allow a a young Ukrainian democracy to be pushed around by Vladimir Putin and used as another propaganda ploy. Because you know what, Brian, is going to happen? If if he does not stop in Ukraine, he's going to go to Moldova. He's going to go push in Georgia. He's going to push in the Baltics. And this is going to go on and on. So I'm not advocating any sort of war with Russia, but at the same time, we have to stand up to it. Right. Number one, I, I don't think that the Ukrainians will roll over. Obviously, Russia's got the superior strength, but it's going to be bloody. It's not going to be like uh, trying to find some terrorists in Syria. You, you're actually going to be in a war, and, they, and the Ukrainians are tough as nails. And if we give them some weaponry and make it painful for Russia, I don't think they want to be in a pitch battle either. Uh, So I'm very curious to see where this goes about the NATO joining NATO. Here's what Jen Psaki said yesterday about that question. Cut 19. 
president certainly supports any country aspiring to join security alliances, NATO and others as well, and he certainly supports the aspiration of Ukraine. There are certain requirements that they would need to meet uh, on a range of issues, including corruption and other topics, and it's obviously up to NATO partner countries and NATO, uh, the alliance, to determine uh, what the path forward looks like. So she didn't back off from the statement and say we haven't talked about it or it's not been discussed in my presence. She did say if they want to join, they should join. But, you know, here's the issue. The previous administration gave them blankets and MREs, and that was a bad message. The previous administration took out the missile shield in their first months in office in an attempt to uh, misspell but reset the relationship with Russia. And it's so clear, Harry, that weakness, just because we want people to act mature and adult-like, Bullies don't look at that. When you acquiesce for no reason and get back into a missile agreement they were cheating on that Trump got us out of, they say that's vulnerability. That isn't somebody who wants to be a friend. You're right, Brian. And I think you hit the nail on the head in terms of arming the Ukrainians. I think one thing that we can do is we should turn Ukraine into what I would call a military porcupine. In other words, if Vladimir Putin reaches out his hand and tries to take a part of Ukraine like he did in Crimea a few years back, he's going to get hurt. Now, there's a very easy and cost-effective way to do this. Anybody who's listening right now, Google Javelin anti-tank weapon. This is a very cheap, very sophisticated weapon that the United States easily builds and a lot of partners around the world that we have been selling to Ukraine and we need to sell a lot more of because it's very clear that it's going to be Russian armor and tanks that would move into Ukraine. That would be at the, the bulk word trying to lead this attack. So if we can get as many of those weapons to the Ukrainians as we can, I think it sends a very clear signal of Vladimir Putin that, look, we have no territorial designs on Russia. We have no aggressive intent towards you. But if you invade Ukraine, we are going to give them the best defensive weapons that we can to make that bloody, as you said. And I think that's one of the best things we can do right now and a strong signal. Uh, also, uh, keep in mind, too, is that we told Ukraine, if you give up your nuclear weapons, we would regard we would guard your security. And again, like with Libya, who gave up their nuclear weapons, and next thing you know, Gaddafi is murdered in the middle of a field. Now we're seeing when you give up your nuclear weapons, you lose your protection. What kind of message is that to Iran and North Korea? It's, it's terrifying. And I mean, I think this is why the Iranians, more than anything else, want nuclear weapons, because they understand better than anything else that those weapons are a guarantee of their territorial integrity. And we don't want to be in a situation, Brian, where countries are around all around the world think that they need nuclear weapons to guarantee their security. That, that we don't want a situation where you know, 40, 50 different countries who have nuclear technology start thinking, hmm, the international system is broken. I better get go get atomic weapons to guarantee my security. That's not a world we want to live in. I wouldn't think so. There's a report out today when it talks to our, our real enemy, and that's China, that they said if we, if we keep troops or Marines in Taiwan, uh, be, the, essentially they should be prepared to die uh, and be shot at. Uh, so they're being more and more belligerent. They did not like the Conference of Democracies that President Biden put together, which had Pakistan in it for some reason, uh, which is a little bizarre. But they, they didn't like that whole thing. They don't like the fact that we're sending delegations, including uh, Europeans, too, into Taiwan. Where is this going? You know, Brian, it's kind of funny. The, the Chinese have been threatening us for years, but now all of a sudden people are paying attention. I know you have. But the, the thing is this. Back a few years ago, it was a Chinese general who actually threatened to sink two aircraft carriers in the South China Sea. 
It got almost no play whatsoever. The point is, they've been making these threats for a long time now. And it's it's finally that we're really starting to wake up. During the Trump years, we've sort of gotten a little bit more akin to this happening. And I, I think the Biden administration has to keep pushing back. I, I think the important thing here is when it comes to Taiwan, Taiwan is a young, vibrant, and messy democracy, but they have proven that Chinese democracy can work, and it can work well, and it can lead to, to, to the freedom and economic prosperity of their people. And I think for the Chinese to keep pushing, I think what they would love to do is see a crisis, push Joe Biden, hope that Joe Biden backs down, and then Taiwan is subjugated forever, meaning that economically, politically, diplomatically, nobody will touch them anymore. So they don't want to invade Taiwan, but they basically want to neutralize them. And I think Joe Biden has to step up. Yeah, they have to Uh, step up and make sure. Listen, if he wants to change the narrative to the guy that embarrassed this nation and embarrassed us around the world in Afghanistan, he's going to have to do something to change it. But I also think this. Big business has got to show a little bit of red, white, and blue. And when I'm seeing these investors go over there and sacrifice their integrity for the almighty billions of dollars, I'm pretty much uh, wondering when they're going to feel the public pressure on that and not just live off their investors and their dividends. Ray Dalio, who has uh, maybe the most successful investor ever, talked about his investments in China. When asked about human rights, listen to how he characterized it. Cut 29. What they have is an autocratic system. Um, And uh, one of the uh, leaders described it. He said uh, that uh, the United States is a country of individuals and individualism. In China, it's an extension of the family. And as a top-down country, what they're doing is that it's that kind of like a strict parent. They behave like a strict parent. Really? Is that how you characterize China? Like a strict parent? Brian, that's, that's horrifying. But, I mean, I, I look, uh, there's a lot of people in business who make excuses for that authoritarian regime. A regime that has, keep in mind, either somewhere between one and three million people in what are like concentration camps out yeah. in western China. I, I, I really don't know what to say. But I, I think the point here, Brian, is I think the American people are waking up to this. Look at the supply chain problems we're having because of the challenges in China and their insane COVID lockdown pr- provisions that have stifled their factories, and we can't get the goods that we need here. I think the American people understand understand this. And you know what, Brian? I think Americans are willing to pay a little bit more for American-made goods that produce good American jobs to keep people employed so we don't have these supply chain issues anymore. I mean, it makes a lot more sense to have a factory in Indiana. Maybe you pay 10 or 15 percent more, but you know what? You know you're going to get that product when you go to Walmart or somewhere else. I think that's where this is headed, and I think that's a good thing. I, I just I think the Jamie Dimon and company, they know they have to give up intellectual property. They know that they have to give up data in order to get in there. But to them, it's worth it. They think that they in fact, Jamie Dimon said something similar to, you know, we have our own uh, problems with our society and racial injustice, comparing what whatever we have uh, to what they're going through. But our greatest hope, as David Ignatius said yesterday, is they continue to crack down on any free market principles. For example, Alibaba, the Amazon of China, Jack Ma, the head of it, he just disappeared because he was speaking too boldly against the government. Cut 34. This is from 60 Minutes on Sunday. That's not getting enough play. I was sitting in the third row. And Did I he remember. take your breath away? Uh, no, I wasn't that surprised because he tends to be very vocal. And he it, you tended asked, to be very he vocal. Tended to, thank you for the correction. He tended to be very vocal. 
After the speech, Alibaba had to pay a hefty fine of nearly $3 billion for monopolistic behavior. Worse yet, Ma was forced by the government to call off the $37 billion IPO of Ant, another one of his companies. And then he seemed to vanish. He resurfaced three months later in this video, quiet and subdued. But the message was loud and clear. China had had enough with its independent tech sector. Arguing it deepened the country's wealth gap, authorities fined major social media and e-commerce companies for squashing competitors. Delivery apps were chastised for underpaying couriers. One by one, their CEOs started stepping down and or donating billions to government social projects. I hope that continues because that will, the, he does not understand, as smart as he evidently is, that free market brought them the success that they've had. Well, you know, Brian, the problem is they're scared of the free market because they have hinged their whole narrative of being, you know, they're, they're this rising superpower and in telling their people that they're exchanging their freedom and, you know, potential democracy for economic prosperity. The challenge, Brian, is that the economic prosperity that the Chinese Communist Party has given them is slowly starting to, to degrade, and they're not getting those growth numbers of, you know, 8, 9, 10 percent that they got 10 or 15 years ago. So now the Chinese only have one way to respond, and that's to crack down. So I think this is going to happen a lot more. And there's one stat, I'm just going to tell you very quickly, that the growth of the Chinese population this year has actually stopped. Starting this year, China, the Chinese population will actually start declining. That is a very bad economic indicator. Look at what happened in, in Japan recently in, in terms of this problem. So the Chinese are going to crack down, and it's just going to get worse. Guess what? They're actually cracking down on vasectomies. I mean, that's how crazy this that country is. Are you, it's nuts. Unbelievable. Um, caught having a vasectomy 10 years in prison. Uh, 11 minutes before the top of the hour. I tell you what, Harry, I appreciate your insight. A lot of a very changing, volatile world we're in right now. Harry Katziana, Senior Director of the Center for National Interest. Thanks so much, Harry. Thanks, Brian. All right. Uh, when we come back, your calls one eight six six four zero eight seven six six nine. As we finish up the hour in beautiful, beautiful Tyler, Texas. Expanding your knowledge base. It's Brian Kilmeade. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, download and listen to The Untold Story with Martha McCallum. The host of The Story on Fox News Channel sits down with major newsmakers each week to get their untold story. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Breaking news, unique opinions. Hear it all on The Brian Kilmeade Show. I today am announcing that... We are enacting a statewide indoor mask mandate unless a business has a vaccination mandate. I've been warning. We can't get more people vaccinated or boosted. I have to protect people, but also the economy. And that's why it's just this morning I announced that we're taking that action statewide. And I wanted you to hear that here, and I'll be answering questions on that shortly. So we draw that connection. My plan is to make it temporary. It starts on Monday. We'll reassess on January 15th. People clapped for an indoor mask mandate. What is wrong with these people? You want more people controlling your lives and what you do? If you have not vaccinated, you feel you're in danger, stay home. Do you realize what you're doing to gyms? you realize what you're doing to the workplace? you do you realize what you're doing to restaurants? 
Are you crazy? The, the rates are, do you see what happened in Florida? It's now the lowest in the nation. They told people, they educated people, they let them know, and we made our own decisions in Florida, and they made their own decisions in Texas, in Tennessee, and they're now the lightest in the country. It comes in phases, it comes in waves. That's it. Hospitalizations are down, deaths are down, cases are up because we're testing way too much. That, to me, is sickening. And just think about this. You own a gym, you finally got people back, now they're just going to resign. They're like, listen, I'm going to go run outside. Now you just watch. Now, my hope is that nobody enforces it, no one does it, and they just ignore it. Ignore this woman who knows nothing about anything, who feels as though she's going to watch us and keep us safe. We do not need governors or mayors keeping us safe. Those days are done. The variant that says it was going to plague us and torture us gives us a 99 fever and a runny nose. If, in fact, we even get it, yet you banned travel in nine economically challenged countries in Africa. So now we start again. The numbers are going up. And in New York, they're overreacting. This is why 33,000 people have left for Florida, let alone other states, over the last 10 months. It's because knee-jerk reactions like this. And I don't know, was it the media applauding right after, too? Unbelievable. I'm in Tyler, Texas. I don't have to worry about it till Monday. I don't have to worry about it at all because I'm not there yet, but I'll have to be going back. Does that mean we're supposed to wear masks around the office? Are you kidding? Unbelievable. Just absolutely sickening. He's lost all credibility. All these Democrats have. People are done with this. So here is, here is uh, Jen Psaki on the vas- vaccine mandates, cut 11. Amtrak uh, announced that they will potentially have to cut some long-distance routes uh, because they don't have enough employees to operate when the federal mandate takes effect. And that's despite them reporting on the Hill today that 94% of their employees are vaccinated overall. What we, what we have conveyed to uh, employers is that post-deadline, we expect employers will follow their standard HR process. That means if for employees not in compliance, they'll go through education, counseling, accommodations, and enforcement. That would be what the process would be to play out. But, of course, uh, these requirements, uh, we don't expect these requirements will cause disruptions to services that people depend on. That's not true. She just told you it's not true. The prisons are going to lose 40% of their workforce. It's in firefighters. No one thinks around the bend. What happens if they don't comply? Living the Bream is a podcast hosted by Fox News Channel's Shannon Bream, sharing inspirational stories, personal anecdotes, and an insider's perspective on actions and rulings from the high court. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News. Live from the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox and Friends, it's America's receptive voice. Brian Kilmeade. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show. Coming to you from Tyler, Texas. Heard around the country. Heard around the world. So glad I'm out of New York. They just made the announcement, at least for today, that the mask mandate comes back on Monday because this new ridiculous governor feels as though she wants to wipe our nose and take care of us because the numbers are going up on Long Island. The thing is going to do what it's going to do. It hit to hit Florida. They're number one. Everyone said Governor DeSantis doesn't know what he's doing. Now Florida is the 
the least number of cases in the country. Same thing with Texas, the South, the Tennessee, North Carolina, South Carolina. It cycles through the country. Stop overreacting to it. Charles Love comes with a, comes to, uh, joins the show at the bottom of the hour. He's the executive director of Seeking Education Excellence. He's host of the Charles Love Show. And he's also of this book, Race Crazy, BLM 1619 and the Progressive Racism Movement. So uh, before we go any further, I take your calls at one 408 Let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. When Putin smells weakness, he, seeks, he sees that as opportunity. And that is what is taking place before our eyes today. That really is the issue. He is, he is trying to get away with as much as he possibly can. No question. General Jack Keane right again. Russia. Hey, Joe, what exactly did you promise Putin? As reports swirl, he's telling the Ukraine to give up some of their land for peace. If true, Congress has to step in. You have to express outrage and Ukraine must push back. Number two. We got some encouraging news from Pfizer yesterday. That three doses of the Pfizer vaccine protects against the Omicron variant. Get your booster right away. Ugh. Zero credibility. The man selected to beat the virus has shown to overreact when it comes to variants, underthink when it comes to mandates, and now calling for more shots? Hey, Joe, we can handle our lives, our jobs, our families. Back off. Number one. Every civil libertarian should be applauding the prosecution successfully of a false accuser. False accusations can destroy our system of justice. We have to focus on the evidence and the evidence in this case has been overwhelming from the beginning jesse gets justice and let's just hope it means jail the disgraced actor and phony victim of rate hate race hate was laughed out of court and could be facing years in jail why all those who ran to his defense without knowing any facts should correct the record from van jones to the vp to the president of the united states And that's exactly, you know, we knew this was a joke. We knew that his lies couldn't hold up to the laugh test, let alone the truth test. And in court, more money wasted, more time wasted, more coverage wasted. Unless you're MSNBC and CNN. Then you didn't waste any time covering it because you realized the race hate that you fueled, the belief that you had in this this B actor who's starring on a failed series called Empire – uh, that he was telling the truth and was attacked by a MAGA supporter saying it's MAGA country and he was threatened because he was gay and black. Think about that. Professor Wilford Riley does. He's one of the smartest guys out there from Kentucky State. Cut three. My honest opinion is that he believed that a certain cadre of people, a guilty, <coughs> perhaps mostly white liberals, very racialist African-Americans, so on down the line, would believe him no matter what he said. Uh, people have called this position cynical. But at the same time, we just saw that Black Lives Matter literally took it. They said that there was no way they would ever believe a police officer over Mr. Smollett or presumably any other criminal. And for good measure, they said that policing shouldn't exist as an institution. Mm -hmm. So I think as an actor, he knew his audience. He's guilty of? Telling a Chicago police officer it was a hate crime. Guilty telling a police officer he was a battery victim. Guilty of telling a Chicago detective he was a hate crime victim. Guilty of telling a Chicago detective he was a battery victim. Guilty of telling a detective again he was a battery victim. Not guilty of telling a second Chicago detective he was an aggravated battery victim. So today's New York Post covers pretty clear uh, fake hate attack. And there you go. Smollett uh, is a joke. And what's worse is 
Everyone bought it. Remember President Biden put this out on a tweet. What happened today to Jesse Smith must never be tolerated in our country. We must stand up and demand that we no longer give into this hate-safe harbor. Homophobia, racism have no place. AOC, there's no such thing as racially charged. This attack was homophobic. It was a racist and homophobic attack. If you don't like what's happening in our country, then work to change it. Right. Tlaib. When one of those famous black and gay men in America is not safe, the message is clearer than ever than it has been. The danger lies spewing from the right wing, is killing and hurting our people. Yep, the right wing. Thinking of you, Jesse Smollett, and my LGBTQ neighbors. Bernie Sanders also tweeted this out. Uh, how about Pelosi? The racist, homophobic attack on Jesse is an uh, affront to all humanity. No one should be attacked for who they are or whom they love. All of them look terrible. All of them were quick to believe this guy and that America was this racist place. At 1.30 in the morning, we beat up black actors, uh, white people do, because in Chicago, where nobody votes for Donald Trump, someone would beat him up, who, by the way, turned out to be black. It was a great caller I had before and say, Black Lives Matter sides with Justice Smollett, not the two black Nigerians who they say he beat him up out of a, because they like Donald Trump. Turns out they were his trainers, two of them, paid to beat him up. And then when they flipped, he says they made it up. It goes on and on. And Black Lives Matter came out on his side even before the verdict. And when the Black Lives Matter did that, and if you wrote your check because of that, whether you're white or black, you have to say, give me my money back. You've been taken advantage of. The New York Post editorial board had this today. I'll give you an excerpt. BLM's defense of Justice uh, Justice Smollett is a total encapsulation of why parents are so upset about critical race theory and BLM ideology creeping into our schools. You would think that Smollett faking a hate crime against himself for for publicity would be an embarrassment, a farce that undermines the real victims of race. But as with the defense of him, the facts don't matter. He's black, so he must be innocent. The system cannot be trusted. This is what these activists want to tell our school kids. It's not teaching slavery. It's teaching Marxism. The police, the government, the economy. It's all must go. BLM just said out loud and is high and out of hiding. Who is listening? We are. Absolutely, we're listening. So I just think black and white, black especially, should stand up and say, you've really hurt our cause. Now no one's going to believe the next time this happens. Certainly, we're watching these crying people on the late night shows talk about the brutality of Donald Trump's America. That's lying America. Here's Jonathan Turley, cut six. He used our long and painful divisions over race for his own advancement. And when he went on the stand, a lot of people were confused because the evidence was so overwhelming, they couldn't believe that he was trying to convince someone of this tall tale. Well, he really wasn't. He was trying to get a vote of nullification for people to acquit him despite his guilt. Right. And it didn't work. Six men, six women, including an African-American, said no. And what's striking is that they showed far more responsibility, far more circumspection than some of our political leaders, you know, like Vice President Harris, who came out and called this an attempted lynching, and Speaker Pelosi and others. They rushed to fulfill this narrative despite the facts. 
The other thing I want to talk about what's happening this uh, COVID-19. Uh, we know that this, uh, there's a bit of a surge on Long Island, so they're now going back to masks in New York State. Uh, New York City, they say, uh, New York City, they say is the number's a little bit lower. But just watch. Wherever you go, you're going to have to wear a mask. You're going to go to that gym, you got to wear a mask. Think about that if you're a gym owner, you got to wear a mask. These numbers are going to creep up. People know how to protect themselves. You should be saying, take vitamins, look out, stop with the hygiene theater, stop telling us we got to take four shots. Now, get it. First, they said, do you think a booster is going to mean fully vaccinated? No, not yet. Now they're saying, do you think we're going to need three shots to be fully vaccinated? Well, that is certainly a possibility, says the always wrong Anthony Fauci. It's nuts. Amtrak revealed it's cutting its services in 2022 because workers are refusing to comply with the vaccine mandate. And now they're talking about a vaccine mandate in all health workers. We know that we're losing valuable nurses. We almost have none in this country where they're way overworked, overtaxed. Now they're being fired. In New York, because they're firing all healthcare workers that do that. Now, the effectiveness in the Moderna and Pfizer vaccines at preventing hospitalization from COVID-19 is dropping to 75% after 120 days. That's why when I looked at my vaccine card in New York State, do you know I now have an expiration date on it? And I looked quick, looked at my written card, because I'm always concerned I was going to lose it. Everyone told me not to download it, man. They can track you. And they're probably right, but I'm always losing things. So I didn't want to lose the vaccine card. So I... I still have it, so I checked it out. No vac- no expiration date there. Now I got one. And soon it's going to say ineffective because I don't have a booster. How many shots are we supposed to get? Listen to Joe Biden. He acts like this is great news. Cut nine. My message is really st- very straightforward and simple. If you got vaccinated six months ago, and I say to all of you in the press as well, not a joke, I say to all of you, if you got vaccinated six months ago, Get your booster right away. We're seeing a lot more Americans do just that. Right. Uh, no, no more advice from politicians. Anthony Fauci says Americans may soon need a third vaccine shot to qualify as fully vaccinated. This guy is such a clown. And then two weeks ago, we talked about this variant in Africa, and he banned eight countries from traveling, all going to and fro there, and, and dozens of countries followed him in his decree. Jen Psaki finally got pressed. Because when Donald Trump banned tra- had travel bans from Africa and to Africa and China, called a xenophobe, and he was called racist by none other than Joe Biden. And now when you go, which pick eight arbitrary countries around South Africa and ban all travel to and fro, listen to Jen Psaki when she gets confronted by an African-American uh, reporter uh, from one of these African countries. Cut 10. Why don't you just lift it or impose sanction on all the countries that have it? What will you say to those who believe that this is a racist ban that target only African and black African nations? Simon, I would convey to you that is absolutely not the intention. That is not our policy. This was a recommendation of the health and medical experts because there were a large number of cases in South Africa and they made a decision early on out of an abundance of caution and to protect the American people to slow the spread of the variant. This is not meant to be permanent. It's not meant to be a punishment. There was 20. There was a variant that they said had benign symptoms, and it's proven to be that. You have not tested it. You depend on them to test it. So you're way too slow, and you've banned these countries, and they could still suffering. They don't have a lot of play in their economy for you to be overprotective to it. And I'm just uh, um, I'm abhorred by the way we're acting as if the pandemic started yesterday. And the real people that should be pressed to be candid about it is China. And not a word about it. It doesn't even come up in a summit. How did this thing start? Maybe we can stop the next one or this one. 
Now, in the vaccine mandates, this is what I was talking about in my open, saying that they have they are failing to game plan this out. Now, I'm going to have a mandate. I'm going to make everyone get vaccinated, even though I told you no. Now, what happens when people say, OK, I'm out. Fire me at Amtrak. Fire me as a police officer. Fire me from corrections. Fire me from the fire department. Fire me as a teacher. Good luck with that. Cut 11. Amtrak uh, announced that they will potentially have to cut some long-distance routes uh, because they don't have enough employees to operate when the federal mandate takes effect. And that's despite them reporting on the Hill today that 94% of their employees are vaccinated overall. What we, what we have conveyed to uh, employers is that post-deadline, we expect employers will follow their standard HR process. That means if for employees not in compliance, they'll go through education, counseling, accommodations, and enforcement. That would be what the process would be to play out. But, of course, uh, these requirements, uh, we don't expect these requirements will cause disruptions to services that people depend on. Are you crazy? He just told you that Amtrak's stopping their schedule. Of course it's going to affect it. These airlines backed out. I think it was United that backed out that everyone had to be vaccinated. They realized they'd have no staff. Uh, corrections, you have no play. What are you going to leave, the prisoners alone? You're already understaffed. Nobody wants to work corrections in New York City, Rikers Island in particular. It's a hellhole. Uh, it's not supposed to be nice, but it's not supposed to be brutal for the corrections officers who now, I think only about 60% of vaccinated. So you're going to fire? You're going to fire 40% of them? Katie Pavlich put it best. She's uh, editor of Town Hall, Cut 12. I think that's why the Biden administration is move, is losing steam when it comes to a lot of their strategy on the pandemic because they've never from the beginning been honest about that this is really just a moving target and they have only offered sticks and not very many carrots. And when it comes to the vaccine mandates failing over and over again in court, uh, if you look if you look at the opinions and you read the opinions from the judges, many of them that the thread that is similar in the rulings is that Congress did not authorize the executive branch, not to mention the president, to to initiate and implement this kind of mandate. So on the communications front, the White House, through the press briefings, continues to say and encourage HR departments to implement the mandate. Yet OSHA stopped the implementation of it and wrote right on their website, said that they've, they've stopped it as a result of these lawsuits. And now you have Congress and Democrats voting with Republicans in the Senate because they are starting to realize the practical implications of this mandate uh, and it's affecting their constituents they're getting phone calls about it, and yet the administration continues right. to move forward as if the courts haven't spoken, and, as, and now as if Congress hasn't spoken either. All right, listen, Lee Zeldin just wrote me and about, I want him to weigh in on this, as he knows he's running for governor, on this Governor Hochul mandate that we now have to wear in New York anyway, and it's coming to a liberal city near you if you're listening to me in one of those left-wing cities, uh, indoors. You believe this? Back to gyms, back to restaurants, back to Sears. I don't think Sears had a business. Back to your mall. Everywhere. Get ready for that. Not just airports. It bother you in airports? We'll pretend as if we don't know how to work this variant. He's going to join us in about a half hour. But coming up next, Charles Love will join us. Uh, he's going to look at, not not, not absolutely next, but at the bottom of the hour. Uh, we'll do that. Uh, don't move the Brian Kilmeade Show. You're with Brian Kilmeade. With Fox News Podcasts Plus, you can enjoy all your favorite Fox News podcasts without commercials. Subscribe now at foxnewspodcasts.com. The fastest three hours in radio. You're with Brian Kilmeade. Hey, welcome back, everybody. one 408 7669 In 15 minutes, we're going to be joined by Republican Senate uh, Governor Candidate, Gubernatorial Candidate in New York, 
I want to get uh, Lee Zeldin to weigh in on what he would do different, if anything, from Governor Hochul is now putting a mask mandate uh, for indoor uh, in New York State. Uh, by the way, Florida did it right. They dealt with it. They dealt with it responsibly. The people make their own decisions. Uh, sadly, so many kids have to go to school with masks on today, not even looking at the downside of it. What's going to happen to gym owners? What's going to happen to restaurant owners? Uh, Tom, you're listening in Florida. Hey, Tom. Brian, I don't believe you said it's crazy to wear a mask indoors with other people. Yes. We're it's done. crazy not to. We're done. Why would you? These masks, the cloth masks are not effective. The paper masks are not effective. I mean, not we effective. already know how to do so it. All they're the not. doctors that are telling us to wear them are wrong. Well, let me right. just tell you, let me, what, about the, what, about the do, what about the doctors in Florida? How did you guys deal with it? You have the lowest caseload in the country. Am I right? That's because we're wearing our masks. Why? You're wearing your mask? You're in the mall? Indoors, around uh, Excuse people, me. That's excuse me. Are you wearing a mask? Are you wearing? I was just in Florida. Are you wearing a mask in the mall? You wearing it at gyms? Are you wearing it in restaurants? No, no, no. I just were performed in front of 800 people in two separate theaters in Florida. Not one mask. Do I even know they were vaccinated? Did the numbers go up? This 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 virus has a mind of its own. The variants are not this the latest variants not even slightly dangerous. They knew that along the way, but they still panicked and did their travel bans. We can make our own decisions. Common sense to hold a mask and hold all the. What the are you talking about? Do you not have common not, sense in Florida not, and Texas? Does Texas not have any common sense? Are you saying the whole state has no common sense? The whole state has no common sense. Yeah, and you just want all your listening audiences to die off. Uh, exactly, exactly. Everyone in Florida and Texas seems to be living a great life, a great life. And guess what? They still have businesses, and people are going out to dinner and going to gyms. They want to make their own decisions. That's where in the land of the free, we arm ourselves with knowledge and make our own decisions. We don't need a politician to wipe our nose and keep us safe. Back in a moment. Jason in the House, the Jason Chaffetz Podcast. Dive deeper than the headlines and the party lines as I take on American life, politics, and entertainment. Subscribe now on foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. The talk show that's getting you talking. You're with Brian Kilmeade. Regardless of what people are saying out there, people who are not lawyers, people who are not in court, people commenting and giving their ideas from 30,000 uh, uh, you know, above sea level when they're not in court, at the end of the day, uh, we believe justice will prevail. We don't believe it was done today, but we're very confident that uh, he will be cleared and he will be found to be innocent. Wow. Uh, I know he's a defense attorney, Nene Uche, but that's what he said after uh, Jesse Smollett was convicted of five of six counts of faking a hate crime and dragging this thing out. Countless of investigative hours, police hours, court time and money. And to me, it embarrasses everyone that really wants to stamp out hate crimes across this country. Charles Love joins me now. He's the executive director of Seeking Education Excellent, host of The Charles Love Show and scholar at 1776 Unites and author of this book, Race Crazy, BLM 1619 and the Progressive Racism Movement. Charles, welcome to The Brian Kilmeade Show. It is great to be here. Thanks for having me. Right. And you had me on your podcast, and I could not be more impressed. And sure enough, I got the perfect issue for you. Jussie Smollett, was justice served yesterday? 
Of course not. It's so unfair. That, I mean, first of all, you terrorize the man, get him, get him, uh, you get black, white supremacists to put a noose around his neck, and now you're <laughs> going to send him to pre- prison. Now he's doubly terrorized. It's so unfair. I mean, I can't believe these people. It's, it's shocking that they had the guy, like you say, he gets paid to do it. But it's shocking that he's like, well, uh, he's going to fight this and prove his innocence. I think, to be honest, in this culture, that he wouldn't have been found guilty. If he just owned up to it, the people would have felt sorry for him. I was like, well, he's black. We got to give, you know, equity, DEI. But they're like, I can't believe he's getting on the stand and telling these outrageous stories. But then at the end, saying, oh, well, I still think, yeah, I know you proved it was them and they're not white, but I still think it was a racist attack. I don't know what you're talking about. They just could not believe it. it it's, it's, it's shocking that he's still going with that story. I mean, what about people, uh, Charles, for the legitimate hate crimes, for the racists that remain out there? And thankfully, it's, mm-hmm. I don't believe there's many. For those out there, when these hate crimes take place, whether you're gay, uh, uh, black, Hispanic, or Asian, I mean, this just hurts that whole cause and the credibility. And the way everyone was willing to accept at 1.30 in the morning in the heart of Chicago, in zero to temperatures, that people were going to jump him because, and say this is MAGA country because he's black, gay, and famous. I mean, where did he even get this plan from? Well, I mean, I mean, that's a special kind of uh, of crazy right there because you know I just moved to New York from Chicago, so I was there when that happened. And I and if you've never been to Chicago, Chicago's a special kind of cold at that point. I think at that yes. day it was like five below that day. So he, he, they're adding on the gay and famous and black. Maybe the black part, maybe with all the hood and the scarf and everything, but nobody would have known he was famous or gay because it's so cold. You have so many layers on. Nobody would have <laughs> known who you were. And the MAGA country? Come on. But I will say to the hate crime thing, I know this is unpopular in a lot of case, places, but I don't think it hurts the cause of true hate crimes because I don't think there's such thing as a hate crime. There's crimes, right? People are breaking the law. They should go to jail. I want everybody who's beating somebody because they're gay to go to jail. But I mostly want them to go to jail because they're beating random people, not because they're beating gay people. So, I mean, this whole hate crime thing is a whole separate thing. You know, having a separate distinction basically creates the opposite of the equity and equality these people claim they want because you want to speak, you know, treat crimes differently and say, you beat a white man, you get two years. You beat a black man, you get 10 years. I mean, that's just silliness. But, yeah, I think this whole – and I'm sure – I don't really follow them, but I'm quite sure that if I go on Twitter, the hosts of The View and, and Hillary Clinton and Kamala Harris and all those people are, are openly talking about how they were wrong and they apologize for defending them, right? Is that what they're doing? Uh, not one. In fact, MSNBC and CNN, I don't even think, covered the whole uh, trial as soon as it went south. But I got a list of tweets out there in support of this crime and in support of Jussie, Cory Booker, Reverend Al Sharpton, Pete Buttigieg, Kristen uh, Gillibrand, all condemned those attackers that hit him because he was uh, gay and black. Uh, Talib, one of the most famous black gay men in America, is not safe. The message is clearer than ever than it's ever been. The dangerous lies spewing from the right wing is killing and hurting our people. Thinking of you, Jussie. Other top Democrats who railed against the now debunked beating include Nancy Pelosi, Bernie Sanders. Uh, Nancy Pelosi, the racist homophobic attack is an affront to our humanity. No one should be attacked for who they are. The vice president president as well. What's the way if Charles Love, if you're one of the people that tweeted support for this liar and you said nothing before the trial was done, what are you doing today? Well, if it were me, I would probably be saying that I was wrong. Just, you know, go ahead and give them me a culpa. So at least I got to give them one. Fine. I'll give them that one, which they won't do because they never apologize. Maybe we should stop. But the worst part is. Here's the worst part, though. You would think, I know they're trying to ignore the trial, 
But you would think that they would learn from that and say, okay, at the very least, when these quote-unquote high-profile things happen, we should breathe and pause and not just jump on and start jump on Twitter and just say, he's innocent, he's guilty. But they still do it. That's the worst part. They didn't learn anything. They still, like, the first time somebody gets shot or the first time somebody does that, oh, it's a, it's a right-winger. You know, they just go out there and say, but, I mean, what's the harm? And just pausing them in and say, hey, let's see what happens. It doesn't hurt anything. You can still attack the right in seven hours. You don't have to do it right now. But they can't help themselves. They're, I think, to, to be honest, they're excited when these things happen. They're like, I can't wait till there's another shooting so I can talk about the right. Uh, Charles Love, I did your Cut the Bull uh, podcast, so I know you're a, uh, you're a black man in America. You wrote the book Race Crazy BLM 1619, The Progressive Race Mu- uh, Movement. What is your view on race in America today? I think just like crime and everything else. I mean, we had a bad patch with the, uh, the year of burning the country. But in general, we live in the, uh, the safest and the best times any humans have ever lived in. And all we want to do, we're going to be like Rome. Our demise is going to be our decadence and focusing on crap we shouldn't be focused on. So that's the problem. Of course there's racism. I'm tired of it. I I think I'm getting to the point where I'm not going to say, yes, of course there's racism, but. I'm just going to stop saying that because anybody knows that. So I'm just going to stop saying, yes, there's racism, but. What I will say is, you know, they try to do these gotchas. So I saw, I think it was. Chris Rufo on Mark Lamont Hill, and he said, well, would you change uh, roles with a black person? And he's all kind of nervous because he knows he's sticking his head like, well, if I say no, what is going to come out? But that's not the best. That's, that's burying the lead. Of course, the answer is no. But what they don't tell you is, is if you ask the average black man, would he change to be, if he had the opportunity to be white, would he change? He's going to say no. Is he a racist? Because people are happy being themselves. We're all unique and we love ourselves for the most part. And Black people aren't going around this country afraid to go out the house. It's fake. You know, so race in America is some people are bad people and they do bad things. Sometimes they do it because you're black and sometimes they do it for no other reason. People are getting slashed on the subway in New York. They're not doing it because they're black or women. They're doing it because they have problems. So I think that we need to stop focusing on those problems because problems exist, but racism is not the reason why, you know, a, a disproportionate number of blacks aren't reading and doing math at grade level, but better, even if it is, you can't fix the problem by doing it. I can't fix the guy who's in 11th grade reading at the 6th grade level by saying racism, even if racism put him in that position, I'm not going to teach him to read by going around touring the country, talking about how racist and systemic racism uh, the country is. I'm going to help him by teaching him to read and giving him opportunity. And I think too much focus on race takes away from the opportunities and the skills we need to be giving people. That's what I think about race. Well said. So the Black Lives Matter comes out with this full page in support of Jesse Smollett before the verdict comes out. It doesn't matter. Statements like Chicago police, he said, we can never believe the police. Uh, being forced to put our lives and our value in the hands of judges and juries operating a system that is designed to oppress us while continuing to face a corrupt and violent police department, which has proven time and time again to have no respect for our lives. Just goes on to say it doesn't matter if he told the truth or not. I 100 percent support him. The New York Post in an editorial responded. It says the Black Lives Matter defense of Justice Smollett is a good encapsulation of why parents are so upset about critical race theory and BLM ideology creeping into our schools. You would think that the Smollett faking a hate crime against himself for publicity would be an embarrassment, a farce that undermines real victims of racism. But as the defense of Smollett shows, the facts don't matter. He's a black man, so he must be innocent. So do you agree with the retort to BLM from the New York Post? 
I 100% agree with it. It's funny. I'm glad you said that it was um, BLM because I would have thought it was Don Lemon. It sounded like something Don Lemon sent him in a text. But <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's true. That's why I wrote the book. I, I felt that, to be fair, obviously the media skews hard left. But to be fair, TV and radio is a little longer. TV, you get two minutes. Yep. Everything's soundbite. So even a Nancy Pelosi would be taken out of context. So what I say in my book is I, I put the words because I don't like to get caught in labels. I don't like that the, the debate has been CRT is in schools. No, it's not. You don't know what, what you're talking about. Right. BLM really just wants to stop police brutality. I say, OK, let's look at their words. So I don't think you get into the labels. This is what they claim they believe. They're anti-capitalist. They're anti-police. They want everything. They're abolitionists. They want all prisons and police, not just defunded, disbanded. This is their word. So in the book, I give it, use it as a tool. I say, this is what they say. Do you believe that? Nike executive who thinks police are a little rough with white people, with black people, that's fine. You want to help. But you're giving money to an organization that wants to end capitalism. Isn't that, you know, Yes, crazy? that's a problem. Yes. yes. So, so, they, yeah. so they need to know that. And the same thing with the 1619 Project, lying about history and then saying, see, we just want to teach real history by leaving out all the positive stuff. Like that the white people that were abolitionists that helped – like Frederick Douglass further their cause and 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 everything and we discuss that I really encourage people to check out your book Race Crazy BLM 1619 and the Progressive Racism Movement Charles Love thanks so much we'll talk again I appreciate it look forward to it have a great one go get him uh when we come back Lee Zeldin weighs in on the new mass mandate that just hit New York State by a governor who wants to win four years on her own you'll listen to the Brian Kilmeade show Imagine if you was a police veteran taking this kid's police report. Okay, Mr. Smoulier, please tell me what happened. All right. 2 a.m. You left the house at 2 a.m. It's minus 16 degrees. Where were you going? Subway. Sandwiches? That's when the men approach you? Did you see them? Do you have any... Okay, what do they have on? MAGA hats! MAGA hats on in Chicago? Excuse me one second, Mr. Smoulier. Frank, come here for a second. Find out where Kanye West was last night. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show. He's so busy, he'll make your head spin. It's Brian Kilmeade. I today am announcing that we are enacting a statewide indoor mask mandate unless a business has a vaccination mandate. I've been warning. We can't get more people vaccinated or boosted. I have to protect people, but also the economy. And that's why it's just this morning I announced that we're taking that action statewide. And I wanted you to hear that here, and I'll be answering questions on that shortly. So we draw that connection. My plan is to make it temporary. It starts on Monday. We'll reassess on January 15th. Right, exactly. Let's really help the economy by making kids at Crunch Gym uh, wear masks. Let's really help the economy by making sure the 12-year-olds has a, a vaccine. Let's really help the economy by now making people wear masks to go out so they're not going to. Uh, hi, everyone. Welcome back. I'm at the uh, Tyler, Texas KTBB studios uh, in beautiful Tyler, Texas. I am not in New York, but I'll be heading back there where the governor just made that announcement. 
not looking at what happened in Florida. This thing comes in cycles. Your best thing to do is to act responsibly, not be my doctor uh, from Albany. With me right now is a man who wants to be the next governor of New York. He uh, First, he wants to get the Republican nomination. He is Lee Zeldin, the Republican congressman uh, from Suffolk County. Hey, Lee, I just want to get your take on another politician trying to protect you. So I'm, I'm totally opposed to this new statewide mask mandate that Hochul just put out. This is coming right after we saw Bill de Blasio in New York City earlier this week imposing a vaccine mandate on all private employers inside of New York City just days before he is about to vacate the seat as mayor. Uh, what we need right now uh, is more respect for individual People. liberty, freedom, more emphasis on therapeutics. Uh, and not trying to instill fear for political calculation and to assert more government control. We have to be smarter, and we have to be more consistent. And you have people like Kathy Hochul, who the only thing that they are being constant on is being consistently inconsistent. I remember this time last year, Joe Biden was saying that the vaccine shouldn't be mandated Then all of a sudden it became mandatory where people are losing their jobs. We have staff shorting crisis uh, inside of our hospitals. The governor just imposed uh, an executive order getting rid of elective surgeries. So there's even a whole lot more to this walking into today where this new decision is put out. So you watch this idiot mayor make his uh, mandate on all private businesses with no plan to implement it. And as uh, Eric Adams, who's going to be the next mayor, says, his key staffer said it was a big F you to him. Like, deal with this. Word is he's just going to make it a uh, – use it an honor system. Number two, you believe in indicating that she's doing this to make sure she's to the left of de Blasio to maybe secure this nomination? Yeah, and Jamani Williams, a New York City public advocate, is already in the race. Uh, Tish James yesterday got out of the race for governor. And the biggest uh, victor there in that decision is Jumani Williams. But obviously anybody else who's running for the Democratic Party nomination benefits because Tish had a really good shot of actually winning the nomination. Uh, Kathy Oka wakes up this morning and she makes this decision to further posture herself uh, to the left. All of these calculations are focused uh, on the June 22 Democratic Party primary. Uh, and unfortunately, you, know, you have a governor who actually has said this out loud. She views New Yorkers not as her constituents, residents, fellow New Yorkers. She's actually referred to New Yorkers as her apostles. Uh, and, you know, there's Nuts. no religious exemption that should be considered, uh, she says, for the COVID vaccine. But by the way, it's a vaccine from God, and she's your messenger uh, from God. If you have any questions or concerns there, uh, so we've had the healthcare workers who have been put out. You have the paychecks that were suspended for FDNY and NYPD if they haven't gotten the vaccine. And then you have people who have reasonable questions. Like they say, hey, you know, I was talking to my doctor. They said because I had COVID a couple of months ago that I, I might have more antibodies through natural immunity than if I get the vaccine. Their hands are raised. They have a reasonable question. And you have people in government, no questions asked, saying, no, this is just the way it is, and you don't qualify for a medical exemption. Oh, and by the way, you're fired. 
Right. Uh, unbelievable. And, you know, I was interviewing a Sloan two, two Sloan Kettering nurses who got fired, who had natural immunity, had the virus already, stood there for a year and a half when no one even knew what this virus was coming from. On Governor Hochul, she says this, this, uh, this vaccine came from God. No, it came from Trump. So maybe she should have credited him. Uh, so, Lee, the question is, um, can you learn from Florida and Texas where I am right now? 30 seconds. We have to be learning from everything that's working and everything that's not working in all 50 states. We have to, we have to put a value to freedom. Uh, we have to be smart and consistent with our, with our leadership. We need to respect medical freedom, put more of an emphasis on therapeutics because there will be more variants. Yes. We can't just think we're going to wake up tomorrow and then all of a sudden it's magically gone. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna run out of countries to ban travel to. Uh, Lee Zeldin, thanks so much. Good luck in your quest to get the Republican nomination and ultimately end up in Albany at the governor's mansion. Lee Zeldin, thank you. Uh, meanwhile, today, everyone in Tyler, thanks for having me here. The great staff at KTBB, Texas Music City is where I'll be in an hour. Signing my book, The President of Freedom Fighter, from twelve to two. Then going to Longview Mall, J.C. Penney Court, from three to five. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, subscribe and listen to the Trey Gowdy Podcast. Former federal prosecutor and four-term U.S. congressman from South Carolina brings you a -a one-of-a-kind podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.